Bethel, I'll be reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and I'm reading from the NIV translation. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? We're about to reflect on this passage together. I would encourage you to have your Bible out, whether you're going to have it on your phone, but also if you have a physical Bible around, that's great. Just to look at this passage as we reflect on it. Um, If your mind drifts, I've always found it's helpful when I was, you know, normally sitting in church to actually have the Word in front of me and let the Spirit direct me, even if my mind might be drawn to different directions that I do want to reflect on this. And that's what we want to do. We want to reflect on this passage in the coming of the Holy Spirit right now. So I encourage you to have that out. And I'd also like to just invite you to pray with me. We're going to pray about this time and ask for God to speak to us. So Lord, we come before you and we want to ask that you would open our eyes to see you. We want to ask that you would open our ears to hear you. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be holy and pleasing to you. It's in the strong name of Christ we pray. Amen. As you look at the beginning of this passage, it's important just to realize this one specific statement. And it's this, that we all know about waiting. We know what it's like to wait and all the reasons that we don't like it. But it's a very important moment to connect with where the followers of Jesus are in this room, in this one house in Jerusalem. They were told to wait. And there's an image I'd like to share with you. It's from the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's an image of the followers of Jesus waiting, waiting in a dark room. The artist and illustrator depicts this this room as dark, and the, the windows are shut up. No light can get in. Now, perhaps they have gathered together. They've been told to wait. They're remembering Jesus' words to them. Wait for the gift my father promised. Do not leave Jerusalem. And they've drawn together. They've drawn together with the same heart, with many of the same concerns. We know what this waiting is like. I think about waiting um, when I, every afternoon that I'm home, uh, I, I know our daughter is supposed to, you know, doesn't really nap as much every day now, but she, she does rest time. That's what we call it. She does rest time, and it's for you a couple hours in the afternoon, and she rarely actually rests. You can oftentimes hear the thumping, the thumping through the walls of something that she's doing. But she's waiting because she knows how to read her clock. 
She knows how to read it when it says it's time to come out. She's waiting for that time. Or I think about when I'm out on a walk and I come up to a street and I hit the crosswalk button wanting to go and then a couple traffic cycles go through and something missed and I, I have to hit this again. Do I, is this ever going to turn? <laughs> is this ever going to turn to the go? I'm going to see the little green man. I'm going to go. Or I think about waiting, as most people will tell you, that you're supposed to wait till after the long May weekend to plant. You're supposed to. Now, do we all do that every year? I hope for my sake that you do, because I did not wait. We did not wait at home to plant. And so come Tuesday night, we're scrambling just to make sure we cover certain things and just wanting it to live. And so maybe you're wise and you, you just know Alberta better than we do and you just wait. Good for you. But we know about waiting. The followers of Jesus here in Acts are waiting. They've had this incredible experience. Many of them walked with Jesus the 40 days after his resurrection. They ate with him. They heard his teaching. And then they saw him ascend to the heavens. And even saw the angel that came before them right after. They're waiting. His last words to them were a promise. A promise. You can look to this in Acts 1.8. A promise, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power as you go and scatter and spread throughout all the earth, and you will be my witnesses. That promise of power is the same for you and me today as it is any other day, as it was for the disciples who find themselves waiting. But we all know. That waiting is hard. And there's a couple things that can make waiting hard for us, especially when you lack the power. Nor the mean, you don't even know what the outcome is going to be, nor do you lack the power for it to come into being. <laughs> that you're waiting, 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 asking, Lord, how is this going to come into fruition? How is this going to come to be? And you can actually look at so much of what's happened over this past year through the lens of power coming undone. Because we don't try. Yes, we might get thrown off. We try to reassert our power. We try to reassert our control. As do all the powers, institutions, structures, and authorities around the world as it's been ripped away from them through a global pandemic. They have tried to reassert themselves. They've been told to stop. <laughs> and at the same time, no one wants to stop. No one wants to yield, let alone to what's happening or to God. Things like the world economy that's always going to be upheld by greed. Or these systems of oppression, these barriers between race and culture that we know far too well. Online platforms that really more serve as echo chambers than they do for good places of dialogue. Every possible source of power and authority that was based in human power and authority lost something this past year. And it is desperately trying to get it back. And when we try to do this, or when we see other powers at work trying to do this, the true purposes float to the surface. What we actually truly want, what we truly desire. Because, you know, if we're going to be honest, a lot of what we miss is the convenience of the norm. <laughs> it's the convenience, it's the comfort, and it's the illusion of control it provided us. Seeking God's face like we've been doing together as a church. Humbling yourself before God. It reveals what you think true power is. Because if God is the true source of power and you're actually seeking the, the true the power through the true source, 
then you aren't going to be investing all this time in these other different places. Jesus came to dismantle the lie about power. He came, it was his message in the Gospels. It was prophetic. It challenged the norm. It challenged the status quo. He challenged these lies. And he tells people to wait as he leaves because his father is going to send the promised gift, this promised gift of power, a power that brings about a new kind of story, a story that is different from before. So the seek my face journey is about the result of what power gives. If you think about it, what God, what is available to us for those who join this, join, hear this invitation, who join us in this, it is the result about what is at the end of all this. And it is God and it is power. It is this gift, God's gift, which is the power to praise him through his presence. God's gift is the power to praise him through his presence. So let's look at Acts 2 here a little bit just to see what incredibly happens here and why we remember, remember this on Sunday and why it's significant for you and for me. And it's about God's power, which is a gift. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Think about this. They're all together in the same place, just like that image you saw. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Pentecost was a festival that was celebrated every year by the Jews. Every year. And it was remembering a renewal of the covenant moment through the giving of the law that Jesse talked about. The disciples, the followers of Jesus who were gathered in this one home weren't that far away from the temple. Really, most of the commentators you read will say that they're actually in view of the temple, a stone's throw away from the very temple, the place of worship. And I find it interesting that even though we were all in different places this week, that in prayer we were gathering together as one. Maybe it wasn't in a prayer room here at the church, But we still gather for the same purpose, with the same desire. And God, who is always present, was with us, hearing our prayers and calling us forward. Even before the Spirit came in Acts 2, the people were drawn together towards God's face. And there's two images that Acts talks about here. Two images about the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's wind and it's fire. When, which is always the sign of the presence of God. If you look in the Old Testament and the echoes of wind, and you can go and look at Exodus 19, you can see how both wind and fire are present at Mount Sinai. The trumpets are sounding and they grow louder and louder. Wind and fire. Fire and flame. Flame, which is, you know, what we read here is divided into separate tongues and it falls on each person present. So God's gift of power comes like wind and fire. God's spirit descended on the mountain, Mount Sinai. God's presence filled the tabernacle and the tent of meeting. God's presence filled the temple, which we talked about a few weeks ago. And God's spirit here in Acts 2 falls upon his people and fills them and dwells inside of them. And it brings about this inward, invisible reality that produces outward signs. It's this reality that takes place in the people we see in this chapter that's happening in the church. Something is different about them. 
And it manifests in outward signs. And the word that Acts used to describe it is fill. We talk about this all the time in the church. But the idea of fill, that we, we pray, we would ask that we be filled with the Spirit. Because this is exactly what happens here. They're filled with the Spirit. Or as the rest of Acts will talk about, it'll choose different words along, words along the way. Yes, using fill, both in one instance, but also continuously. But then also it'll use the word of baptizing, that they're being baptized in the Spirit. And that they are receiving the Spirit. They're receiving this as a gift, the gift of power, which immediately forms and shapes them towards a spirit-led response. So as you wonder about how to think about this next season, to think about this next season and perhaps take on the posture of what we said in our call to worship, a call to worship where we ask, come Holy Spirit, it is about being open to a spirit-led response that's happening in your life. Something that you would not otherwise do. Here, it results in the utterances of words. They start to speak different languages and tongues that are not familiar to them. And so it's helped me as I reflected on this to see that this power that we always look back to on Acts 2 is not just a power of tongues or a filling of the Spirit, but it's the filling of the Spirit that produces a power, shows that the power is a power towards praise, a power for praise, a power to praise God. The tongues are actually a demonstration of this. So I've reflected on this as praise, as spirit-empowered witness. Not just praise, maybe in song like you see on a Sunday morning, but praise is in, I am going to adore and bless and focus on you, God, in the heavens, because you are in my midst working. And I'm going to tell the world <laughs> about what's happening in my heart and in my relationships and in my family and in my community because you are alive and moving. As you look at the way this unfolds, they are filled with the Spirit and begin to speak in tongues. And then read in verse 5. Now there, now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. They'd gathered for the festival. They're at the temple within stone's throw of what's happening. And then verse 6. When they heard this sound, because they could not hear this sound, a, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Each one of them heard, were uniquely called in some way, but what was happening in the Spirit. Each one of them was drawn away from the temple and what they had planned today and drawn to something else because God was doing something else. God and the Holy Spirit draws people to what he's doing. And you go through the list of na 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 nations here, and I, and I thank Nate for reading them because it's not the easiest thing to read if you're going to go through this, trying to make sure you say all these things. But just to offer one comment about all these names in verse 7 on, it's an odd list of names, to be honest. It, there, there isn't exactly a lot of logic to why were all these names filled, except we know that people were in Jerusalem worshiping. And then we read in Romans several books later, and you realize that a church is formed by the Spirit for this encounter with the Holy Spirit that didn't come for the teaching and, and building up of Peter and of Paul. It came through God. God's speaking that churches are born throughout the world from this specific event. It's incredible. And what we know about these people, they're God-fearing Jews. So sometimes when you read about that, God-fearing Jews, it's an indicator that they didn't grow up Jewish. <laughs> that people actually 
started to follow and worship Yahweh by choice. They converted. And so, yes, maybe they don't have all the background to share in the heritage of Israel, but they believe that this is the God working in the world. So these are oftentimes, sometimes, Gentiles who are devout in worshiping and arranging their lives to go to these festivals. It's also fair to say that just like they were at this festival, they were probably at the last one. So they were probably at Passover around the time when Jesus was killed. And there's a good chance they may even join the angry mob that led to his death. At the same time, as they hear all these things, this is what they say, reading from verse 7. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And if you go further down, I'm going to read verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? This power falling upon the followers of Jesus, it manifests in the speaking of tongues. Sometimes when you read speaking of tongues in Scripture, it could be something like an angelic heavenly language, something that would not be discernible to any of us. But here, it seems most likely that it is the speaking of the languages of the nations, the people who are represented, who are supposed to be here in this moment because God orchestrated for them to be here and called them, is using this moment for them to hear this witness through their language and to be drawn to God. Everyone can hear this. And what I see in this moment, and it, was, it kind of was referenced earlier in the service, is that this is a reversal of Babel. If you go to Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, Babel it's, it's right after this world has been put into chaos after the fall. But they've, you know, God has delivered and saved people after the flood. But the people who are living as part of God's creation, they decide they want to make a name for themselves. They want to establish themselves with power and authority to where they don't need God. They could be on the same level as God. So they go about building a tower that would bring them up to the same status in the heavens. They would be up and equal to God and they wouldn't need him anymore. And God in response to this, he confuses the people. At one point they were speaking all one language and now they can't even understand each other. They are confused. And as much as God causes this to happen, it's because they are using their power for their purposes. And it's out of pride. (laughs) It will result in destruction and distorting all of God's creation. Instead of this power being used for human purposes here in Acts 2, it's used instead for praise. Praise as a witness to Jesus. Praise as a witness to Jesus. And we don't have to go far in this passage to look at Peter, who sees what God's doing in this moment. And he stands and he gives this incredible sermon. A sermon that I would recommend is probably far better than anything I would say in this moment. But a sermon that talks about this promised fulfillment of what Jesus did. That God would send his spirit, but also that God would tell his good news and save his world through Christ. He tells them over and over again. And as all good sermons do, it points to Jesus. At the very end, Peter says this, reading from 2.38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God, Lord, Lord God, the Lord our God will call. 
Repent and be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is this invitation that branches out far beyond Jerusalem, far beyond the ancient Near East, to where we are here today, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and beyond. Again and again, repent and believe that God sent his son to die for you, that he raised a new life so that you could live a new story, that you could find wholeness and power through his spirit, that he could make his home in you and you could find your home in him. All of us, as this, the last verse of this, these few verses signal, have been called to God to praise from his power. We've been called to God to praise, to bear witness of what he's doing. I believe you, whether you identify as a Christian or not, <laughs> you've experienced this power in some way. You've experienced this call and this prayer. And that God is blessing you and drawing you to him. And my ask to you today is that you say yes, and you be willing to listen. You be willing to ask questions. Because his power as at work, especially in a time when we need it. It's important to note that God does not want to just make really powerful followers of Jesus. That's not his goal. That's not his purpose. He actually says elsewhere that God triumphs in the midst of weakness and humility. That is how God brings about victory. But it's through his spirit that God empowers us for this moment to find our home in him, to find life in him. And it's this specific point in time. There's a quote that I have been reflecting on. I heard this several weeks ago at a conference that Pastor Tom and I attended. It's a pastor named John Tyson. And he said this in a talk he was giving at this. And it just resonates to me to the core when I ask, what am I supposed to do with a spirit at work in me? So he says this, So God, who has arranged human history, who has determined the very time and place that you should live, who knows every heart that will ever be in his kingdom, when he's mapping out your destiny and human history, he says, you here now. You're the people Jesus trusts more than any of the saints in history to get us through this moment. God says to you, here, now. This is where I want you. This is how, where I want, how I want to move through your life. It's not in some other story you were writing for yourself that didn't come to fruition. No, this is the story. This is the way I want to move in your life. And it's not through you triumphing or being the most powerful person in your community and your family and friends. No, it is through my power at work in this moment as you repent and respond to my son who forgave your sins through his death. So God trusts you and has called you to now. And it could be a lot of things for all of us. This is the incredible thing about the Spirit. It's not tied to one specific branch of like, oh, God's going to do this specific thing when he in fact does. But it could be something as specific as peacemaking in the midst of a season of upheaval. Mending broken relationships in your family, amongst your friends. Doing the hard work and time that that can take. It could look like building in the midst of brokenness. Building community and relationships. Perhaps you've always been isolated from the church and from community, and you see how important this is now more than ever. 
and that you can play an important role in bringing people together, gathering people together, locking arms and walking to be together and, per, and physically because one day we will physically lock arms, but also spiritually, <laughs> praying, keeping up with each other, communicating, checking in. What does God have you here for now? And I ask a big question like that and immediately think, well, you might say, Chris, I want to know. I want to know the answer to that question. And you might not, the distress that that causes. I know this talking to people, that this can cause anxiety and distress. And says, I want to know the answer to that question. The answer is less important than the trust. The trusting the Lord, knowing that he's with you, gathering together with people around the same purpose to seek God's face. Many people have done this this week in ways that they would not normally have. They've prayed through difficult things. And like we were reflecting on this morning, it's not over. (laughs) It's just the beginning. It's the beginning of us moving forward together in the spirit, in unity of the spirit. And this brings me to the last thing that I want to say that I think is so important to remember in Pentecost. And it's this, that spirit-filled prayer and praise brings unity to the body. It's a reversal of confusion. It brings unity around God's purposes. And this is what happens in us when we pray, when we seek God's face. It happens in us because we choose to not seek power for ourselves. We choose to not follow our own agendas, our own purposes. We yield our goals. We yield our interests, admitting that they're flawed. And if they're up to us, they're just going to come out all faulty. (laughs) And instead we say, Lord, let your will be done. Lord, let your kingdom reign. Let your kingdom come. Lord, let your purposes to redeem and restore this world, let that come to fruition. Let that unfold. I will get behind your cross. I will carry it. Then all of a sudden, if you pray those kinds of things, you'll start to look around. You'll start to look around, and you'll start to hear voices of other people praying with you. Other people praying with you, and you start to realize, I'm not alone. We are proclaiming the same words together. (laughs) The same words of praise, of adoration, confession, supplication, with our brothers and sisters to the left and right of us. And that's what 24-7 prayer just speaks to me so much. It's a witness to me that we can be in separate rooms, in separate places, praying in different times, and that we can have confidence, and I hope you have confidence in this too, as you look back at this week. It wasn't you praying. I hope you don't feel like these are the things I prayed. No, it's, it's we. It's what we prayed, that we prayed together. We sought the Lord together. Power by the Spirit brings unity within the body because it must bear witness to its head. The body must bear witness to its head with this Jesus Christ. Praise becomes all about him. (laughs) Witness becomes all about him and not about us. So what he's doing in our midst, it's not about us. I'd like to show you an image um, as we move towards closing this time, reflecting on Acts 2. And it's an image of the tree. The fear in my mind when the the snow came this past week was what it would do to the blossoms around us. What it would do to the things bearing fruit and coming to new life in spring. And specifically, this tree was something I was worried about. Because last year, this tree didn't look that way. 
It didn't look that way. It didn't come into bloom. And so I was worried that the frost would knock it out. It was speaking to me so much this morning when I reflected on this message that it says again and again, he's not done yet. God's not done yet moving through our lives and your lives. He's not, you know, I mentioned this new life and energy that comes through prayer. God's not done in growing and grooming. He's not done in bringing wind and fire. He's not done in bringing hope and change and healing. He's not done in bringing resolution and unity. He's not done yet with me, and he's not done yet with your life. So as you ask the question, why am I here? Why am I here now? What does it mean that the Spirit, if I believe Jesus did these things, that he is the Lord, why am I here now? What, as you ask that question, know that God has you here for a reason, and he's not done yet. It's about the season we're in. There's a song that I, I often look for songs and worship music to uplift me and direct me towards the season I'm in. So I have this playlist of songs that I put together for, this, this, is, this is the posture. These are the themes I want to pray into this. One of the songs in this playlist, I, I'm just always surprised by when it comes on how much it resonates me and even brings me to tears. It's actually a cover of a Hillsong song. I didn't know that yet, but I, I know this from this version of a song by Ellie Timeberry and Sarah Bard called Seasons. And here's just one stanza of this song where it says, I can see the promise. I can see the future. You're the God of seasons, and I'm just in the winter. And of all I know of harvest is that it's worth my patience. Then if you're not done working, God, I'm not done waiting. If you're not done working, I'm not done waiting. Don't give up on the waiting, just like these followers in a small room, perhaps with windows shut down. Don't give up on waiting. And I know in some of us in our hearts, we just are waiting for the pandemic to be over, and that's understandable. Everything happening in our world is terrible in a lot of ways. But that is not what the invitation that God's given you is. It's not to wait to the end of this thing so that all these other good things can come back. No, he's asking you to wait on him. Don't be done on waiting. Perhaps there are more prayers you want to pray into since this is only the beginning. Asking, God, would you move my heart? I have never thought about you in this way and something has happened. Maybe it's your spirit alive in me right now. And if that is the case, then I would say respond because he hears you. If you believe, write it down, say it, tell it to a friend, pray, Lord, you are Lord of life and all that is good. And I will follow you with all of myself for you are worthy of praise. Let's pray. God, we say together that you are not done yet. We invite the Holy Spirit to come into this moment because we aren't the ones with the power. <laughs> we aren't the ones with the answer to everything in our world, but Lord, you are. And you have us in a specific place and time and setting for a reason. And I pray, Lord, that you would empower your people towards praise, to bear witness to your love and your goodness and your message of the good news, that we would bear witness to this joyfully because you are worthy of that. Whether it's conversations with neighbors, families, 
whether we're going to take on new roles and challenges and calls, Lord, we cannot do this alone. God, move in our church and beyond, and may you be glorified as we get behind your cross. It's in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.